1: There's magic in the air when a gift is given. In this sense, the fifth commandment is the gift commandment. It's the giving commandment. It is the commandment that calls us to honor the basis of all good gifts in our family life, and thus, in a sense, our vertical life with our Father God.
2: That is Pastor Michael Tenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is the conclusion to a message we started the last time we were together, entitled, Mothers Matter. And we hope that you enjoy it. It was taken from last year's Mother's Day program. Mother's Matter with Pastor Michael Oxentenka will get underway here in just a moment. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome The broadcast is also streamed live at ReachingHearts.org slash video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentengo.
1: Christ was crucified at Golgoth at the hill of the skull. And for the early Christians, that meant Adam's skull. Somehow they believed, based on ancient tradition, that Adam's skull had been buried right outside of Mount Moriah. And so here is Christ in the place of Adam's skull going through Adam's mind, his experience, his sin. And every child of Adam, from Adam to the end. In fact, Christ died near the altar of the red heifer, which in Hebrew is the Adam heifer. Jesus took into his mind every human heart and mind. He became the collective consciousness of the human race. And from Adam to the end, he sucked you and me in to him so that we were in Christ at the cross of Calvary. He left no one out of his skull. That is his heart, his deepest heart, when he died For our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Now I don't know when Mary's life came up in Jesus' head. He was going through them all. His mother's life came up in His head. Christ died for His mother, His human mother. Mary, like us, was born a sinner by nature. She sinned by choice too. And Jesus died for Mary just like you and me. Profound. He did not leave his mother out of the atonement. She was in his mind at that level and the family level. Every sin his mother committed was rifling through his head like everyone else. She had her place in that holy moment of expiation. I think she knew it. I think she understood what was going on. She was prepared by the scriptures to understand that her son would have a special death that would save us all. And as she came to the cross, I believe she held onto his feet with her mother's hands, holding the cross, bathing those feet. She had blood on her hands that day. No doubt she kissed her little baby boy's feet at the cross. She remembered her teenage pregnancy. That was God's fault and her privilege in the end that it had happened She remembered how the evil king Herod tried to kill her little boy and how many mothers lost their children in Bethlehem as she fled to safety to Egypt with Jesus, her little boy. He survived the ordeal. She remembered the pyramids, the Nile River, and raising Jesus in a foreign land, the land of the pharaohs, the land of Joseph, only to come home when the angel said, You can come home. And when they came to Nazareth, her little boy was so different than the boys of that awful place. She knew the maxim that went out. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus came from Nazareth, and so did she. They would pick on her little boy because he was kind. They would make fun of Jesus because he cared. They would beat him up because he was a compassionate little boy. And that is what they were doing that day as he hung on the cross. She was reliving his childhood, the hard childhood of raising a son different than any other children of the world. Every one of those childhood taunts hurt her because she knew that he was special. And now they were taunting him again at the cross. Not special in the ordinary way, though. He was special for all mothers. He was the special son. Special in God's way because her boy was the Savior. And so she held his feet like only a mother can, and she soothed them with her tears and kissed them like newborn feet at the cross. Never forget that we have the paradigm of a mother in Mary. She is the ultimate example of a mother from Adam to the end. Jesus did not forget his mother on the cross of Calvary because Jesus remembered the Torah commandment, the fifth commandment. Honor your father, and what does it say? And your mother, because your mother matters to God. Sometimes movies portray Mary as weak. I've watched a few of these passion narratives on film you see mary is weak broken at the cross in a collapsed state of mind and heart because she cannot bear to see her son suffering so she's writhing on the ground that's nonsense that is the picture of a weak mother that is hollywood's image of what a mother is but not the jesus mother we see in scripture at the cross mary was not lying on the ground at the cross quivering out of fear like a wilted orchid no not at all Mary was standing strong, giving Jesus all the support she could till she couldn't support him anymore. She was the iron mother. She was the strong mother. She had endured stuff that no one had endured. And there she was at the cross. Do not let a movie frame the picture of Mary for you. Let the Gospel of John show you the truth about Jesus' mother that day. Turn to John 19.25. So the soldiers did this. And here's the phrase, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. A lot of Marys. Mary means my affliction. A lot of Marys there, but the first in the list, the one who is standing first, not lying down, not collapsed, not pulverized, but standing at the cross is Mary. Mary is the model mother who would not abandon her adult son even when he was dying on the cross. She is the true grit mother who won't let go of her son, who will stand and support him and help him save us all on the cross of Calvary. We know Jesus suffered for Mary like he did for every person in the human race. Her sins were dealt with on that cross also. And like you and me, she has no right to righteousness without the cross of Christ. But she stood at the cross to support her son to get the job done to save us from our sins. Never forget the Bible picture of Mary. Look at verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother, he couldn't ignore this. When he saw his mother, the disciple whom he loved standing near, that's John. That's the one who wrote the gospel. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said, Son, behold your mother. Jesus had a hard time seeing anything on the cross. And there he put his best disciple, his closest friend, together with his mother. He had so much to attend to that day as he shed tears for the human race, one by one, you and me in the list. The Bible says Jesus saw his mother. He had regard for her, He cared for her. He expressed his love for her. He would not leave her to fend for herself in the sorrows of his own death. He would not leave her to stand there without putting her together with someone that would carry her for the rest of her life. Every mother deserves to have a good son who will take care of her in her old age. Mary's son was dying for the world and that meant Mary would soon die because her son was dying that day. You break a mother's heart like that, she doesn't live long. Something has to happen. An intervention has to occur in her place for her to move on. When Jesus stopped the funeral procession for the widow's son of Nain, Jesus sent that resurrected boy back home, dancing all the way with his very happy mother with him. That was the miracle in the Gospel of Luke. The widow's son is resurrected. She can live. She will not fall into poverty. She goes home dancing with her son. She no doubt lived a long life because Jesus brought her son back to life for her. At the cross, no such hope comforted Mary. She's not the widow of Nain at the cross. She is just the widow without a son, the special son, the Savior's son. She is losing her baby boy at the cross. Verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. This is, I think, one of the greatest little pictures in the Gospel of John. We often think that the Gospel of John is just concerned with salvation, sin and evil and all that, miracles. This is a miracle. What happens here is profound. We live in broken lives. We live in broken relationships. Christ is putting people together who are broken. That he can do in our lives also. I don't know if John had a mother or not. I don't know. I know he had one. I don't know if she was there. I think she was one of the Marys there. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert in John. But yeah, he had a mother. But here, this is something different. From that day on, Mary became John's mother. So how many mothers did John have? Two. Because of Jesus' love, it's possible in life to adopt a mother into your life. Did you hear me? It's possible to adopt a mother into your life. I have adopted a mother into my life who should not be my mother at all, were it not for God's grace and the life of my biological mother, me and her and our family. It hurts a lot for a mother when her husband leaves her. That's my mom's story. My mother raised us without my father. My father did not have depth of character as a young man. He was a narcissist. I mean, class B, personality disorder, narcissist. How do I know? I read his writings to my mother, his letters, which weren't love letters. They were narcissist letters. How do you break a person's heart and drive them to mental illness? My dad did it. My mother was an empath. Narcissists are attracted to empaths. And for some awful reason, it just devastated my mother. My mother was placed in a mental health clinic in Texas. Shock therapy was put on her, and she was wrecked by my father. My father left my mother. My father hurt my mother. My father devastated my mother. I've at times had men call me on the phone when they're getting ready to divorce their wives, and they'll say something like this to me. They'll say, Pastor Mike, you know, my wife no longer meets my needs. You ever hear some kind of nonsense like that? They say, Pastor Mike, I wish that my wife would love me more. And I say, wait a second. And I don't mean this to be condescending. I mean this because a man needs a man to talk to them when that nonsense is coming across. I said, do you realize that God didn't put your wife on earth to meet all your needs? God put you on earth to protect and care for your wife. You got it backwards. Whether your wife is Agatha Hagatha this week or this month, your wife is your wife, the greatest gift of God in your life. You better love your wife and start working on that unconditional love. And usually they say, well, I think I'm going to hang up the phone, Pastor Mike, because they get their divorce. They're expecting some pastoral sympathy. They get none from me for this. I've read those awful narcissistic letters of my father. He left my mother for another, and they have left an imprint in my mind. I have them recorded for future generations to know that my dad was converted to Jesus, and that he moved from a narcissist to a giving man. Christ can transform the life. But there's no excuse for that at all. It's just a raw fact that hurt us all. And his failure changed all our lives forever. But it didn't change my mother for the worst. My mother, Bonnie Jean, became more loving than before, all alone in life. Minimum wage worker, slaving in Appalachia to raise her three children all by herself. When I met my father shortly before he died, miraculous that God led me into his life. I knew him for two months, went to Fletcher Academy, as many of you know, arrived at the hospital at the point when he was being anointed. The wife, his second wife and children, my half-siblings, I got to meet them for the first time that I can remember. And it was an amazing interaction. I knew there was a God in heaven at that point in time trying to save me. I didn't understand what it meant. I couldn't understand his providences. I knew that something magical was in play. So when I met my father shortly before he died. I also met his second wife at the same time. I had deep resentments against her. I had deep resentments against my dad. I used to take a dart and put a picture of my dad and throw it to just fill it with holes from the dart because of how angry I was at what he had done to us. That's not good, is it? I'm telling you where I came from. She, like my mother, though, I have learned, is and was a fragile soul with a tender spirit and a kindness to her. She, like my mother, had a hard time in her own life, Choices were made outside of her that affected her, that were beyond her power. You see, we all live in a world where we make choices, but others make choices too, and we're in the mix of them both. Her children became my half-siblings, so there is a tie to my dad's second wife, and yet she was not my mother in the human kind of way. And there were great barriers to prevent her from being so. I felt strange feelings when I met her just before my father died. I must confess, I didn't know how to... Interact with it. As fate would have it, God's fate, my father died slowly, a painful death. In fact, he died from the results of alcoholism as a young man. He had taken some medication for tuberculosis, which had interacted with that weakness. Some people say, well, I believe in social drinking. It's okay to do a little social drinking. Let me tell you what social drinking did in my family it killed my father, it killed my grandfather, it killed my brother, it led to opioid addiction. I mean, don't give me this business that social drinking is okay. God calls the Christian to say no to this so that we can live a pure life. We don't pass these problems on to the next generation. And when someone would come into my family's life and would introduce that stuff, I'm quick to respond to it because it has done so much harm in our life.
2: Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko in today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: I begged my younger brother to get off the alcohol. He wouldn't. It led to opioids. And then it led to his death. And there I remember as I met my father. And as fate would happen, my father died slowly. So what happened? My mother chose to come down from Virginia in my brother's car to meet my father before he would die. Now, what a thing is going on here. I'm at school and all this drama is in play in my life. And there my father made it right. I wasn't in the room, but I learned of it. He confessed his sin to my mother. And he confessed in the presence of his second wife. He did it with my brother, my oldest brother there. And she forgave him. Who's the she? My mother. My mother forgave him. She didn't say, well, I don't do you mean it. Well, is this your heart? No, she just forgave him. As quick as she could in the presence of his second wife, she forgave him. The three of them were standing together to get it right. And she reached out to her at that time. Now, who's the her? His second wife. With all the wounds, the raw pain of those lonely years of struggle, with a love that is larger than the heart born from heaven, My mother adopted my dad's second wife in that room that day as her little sister. Now, I cannot explain this with logic. I cannot explain this with a human rationale. I can't even explain it in the gospel. It's one thing to preach the gospel. It's another thing to feel it, to see it lived out in the life of someone who has suffered immensely. The years passed... She said to her in that day, and I've learned of it since, you will need to be my little sister in the kingdom of God. Profound. She adopted her little sister who lived on to become for me another mother. And I will confess this before you, just as precious as the first in a different way. Just as precious as the first in a different way. There were times I found it hard to like her at first. That was my problem and not hers. Hearts have to grow up to love and live in the right way. We have to experience the profound truth that grace and forgiveness is what defines us or we die on the inside. I had to learn that lesson. I had barbs for her along the way. Those subtle statements that say my mother was treated unfairly. I would say that. Little statements along the way. It hurt her. And every one of those barbs hurt her deeply and profoundly. I was insensitive. I was absorbed in my own pain at times. Not all the time, but it would come in little chapters. But in time, I discovered that God had given me two mothers in the awful disaster of the divorce that should have wrecked our family altogether. Margaret, we call her Mima, Mima, as we call her, is one of the most loving and beautiful people I have ever known. She is so much like my mother. I discovered in time that hate has no winners and you only win when hate gives in to love that shows the way with forgiveness. And that somehow God can put lives together and make things work when it didn't work before. I discovered that my mother's adopted little sister in the gospel of grace must be adopted by me also for that chain of love to win in the end. I could not honor my mother unless I honored my mother's adopted little sister with love, unconditional love. I discovered that I cannot honor my mother unless I came to obey the fifth commandment and honor my mother's adopted little sister, my second mother. When the time came... For her oldest son, John Michael, to be married. We just married him recently. I had the privilege of marrying him off. And I hope that it's marrying people to stay, but it was fun. Mima was there. We had invited her to the wedding. Why? Because she is an honored figure in our home. Mima was there at the wedding at our request to take the place of my mother because we chose her as our second mother. So, my mother, if she had lived, would have been there and would have been in that particular place in the wedding. Mima took her place. I adopted Mima, as I said, as my mother, and she adopted me as another son. And so, she is my son's grandmother by choice, my mother by choice, a second mother. Grace in my mother's place, she has taken her place. I don't share private stuff much. There's a lot I keep to myself about my life, but I'm going to share something with you in a small paragraph of a letter Mima wrote to me and Diana the day after our son's wedding this year. I will treasure it for the rest of my life as perfect prose and golden verse, perfect poetry in our life. This letter will go into our memory box and it will stay there. And I want future generations to know what a wonderful second mother God has given me. I'd like to read just a little piece of the letter. Here it is. Dearest Mike and Diana, God has blessed me so much through you. First of all, thank you for the love and honor that you gave to me yesterday. I don't deserve anything, but you really make me feel special and loved. It was wonderful being the grandmother of the groom. His real grandmother would have loved to have seen that day, and how much of her real genes of love and kindness have shown through in all of you. She had the most beautiful heart and spirit of love that could really harbor no evil. And she always said to me, I love you, little sister. I was honored to stand in her place for her yesterday. Sorry. Mm. Dear heart, sometimes you honor your mother best when you adopt another in her place because mothers don't live forever. You know, there are people here today who never had children. There are people here who have lost their children. There are mothers who need to be a mother. Sometimes your mother's love lives on when you learn to love that special mother who needs another son or another daughter or never had one at all. God's love, friend, God's love has a way of bridging the gaps and opening doors in relationships in ways that are forbidden, that are heavy of heart, that are impossible to perceive. God's love doesn't care about your hurt as much He cares about loving the person who hurts you because we have all hurt each other. Friend, we will live forever in a kingdom of light where people who live there are forgiving people who have been forgiven are people who have put it together because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the Torah commandment, the fifth commandment, God said, I didn't say it, God said, honor your father and your mother because your mother matters a whole lot to God. Never forget your mother or your second mother who matters to God. Dear heart, Jesus made it clear at the cross that mother matters. Father, as I hold in my hand a rose, I think of Jesus who spoke of the lilies of the valley in the Sermon on the Mount. Solomon who said it before, but Jesus was speaking through him. Our precious mothers, the daughters of the church, are flowers in the church. Help us never forget that it's easy to crush a flower. It's easy to lose a petal on the ground. And Father, may the men of this church take to heart the call of a Christian man to love his wife, to honor the mother of his life through good times and bad, and to never let the flower fall to the ground. Lord, bless the precious mothers who are here. May they know in their heart that Jesus loves them, that mothers matter. And Father, if they've lost a child, Father, if they've lost a husband, if they've never been a mother as far as the earth is concerned, Lord, to help them to use the love that God has put in them to make a difference. And, Father, as I hold this flower in my hand, I thank you for Diana in my life, a wonderful mother of my children. Bless her and bless all those who stand with her today. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Well, thanks for listening today. That will conclude Mother's Matter. today's reaching your heart. You can always find it online at reachingyourheart.com. And thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org. Slash video reachinghearts.org slash video the live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website reachinghearts.org slash video thanks for listening and we do pray that God is reaching your heart